reader recently sent in this question. In John chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. So is this saying that people did not go to heaven before Jesus' death and resurrection? If so, then where had everyone who died gone before Jesus died and rose? And did this change after his death and resurrection? And what verses can you share with me that talk about this? Well, let me answer each of those questions in order. First of all, the first question, is this saying that people didn't go to heaven before Jesus' death and resurrection? The answer to that is, Yes, I, I do actually believe that's what it's saying. So the next question is this, where then had everyone gone who died before Jesus died and rose? Well, the Old Testament talks about a place called Sheol, which is the dwelling place of the dead. Psalm 139 verses 7 and 8, for example, says, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. So is this saying then that God is present in hell? No, it's saying that he's present in Sheol. Now, it would seem, and I'll give some scriptural scriptural justifications for this in a second, that Sheol was divided into two sections. So Sheol is like the dwelling place of the dead, and it was divided into two sections. The first is called Abraham's bosom, and the other section is called Hades. Abraham's bosom was a place of comfort for those who died in faith. Since they had not yet been redeemed through the death and resurrection of Jesus, they could not go to heaven. So this was sort of a holding place or a waiting room, if you will, for the souls of the Old Testament believers who died in faith, trusting not in their own works or performance to garner them favor before God, but casting themselves on God's mercy and grace to save them through the Messiah who was promised to come. Now, Hades, on the other hand, was also a waiting room or holding place, but Hades was a place of torment for those who died apart from the awareness of a recognition of their shortcomings and apart from faith and trust in God's mercy and grace. Hades, like Abraham's bosom, again, is a holding place or a waiting room for the souls of those who have died apart from faith. And those, uh, though those in Hades suffer torment presently, one day Hades, we're told in Revelation, will be emptied into the lake of fire, which means that Hades is not the final destination for those who have died apart from faith in Jesus or faith in the Messiah. Now, did this change after Jesus' death and resurrection? Well, it seems that in the time between Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus descended into Sheol and released those from Abraham's bosom and led them into heaven. So those who die now in faith in Jesus, they go to heaven. In other words, the presence of God, the express presence of God. Hades, on the other hand, remains intact. And those who die apart from faith still go to Hades. So what Bible verses can I share with you was your your final question there that talk about this. The first one I would point you to is Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. It's the story of the rich man and Lazarus, which is an interesting story because whereas many of the things that Jesus talks about are presented as parables, this one seems to be a true story about a rich man and who, whose name is not given, which is interesting, right? That the man who had a name for himself on this earth 
when we're talked to in Jesus' eyes and in this story, he's not named. And yet Lazarus, a poor man who didn't have a name for himself in this world, is given a name in the story. So there's a rich man and there's Lazarus. Lazarus being a poor man who died in faith. He's taken to Abraham's bosom, whereas the rich man who died apart from faith is taken to Hades. Now between these two parts of Sheol, the story tells us, is an incrossable chasm and there is no escape. Uh, The rich man desperately wants someone to go and speak to his family members and plead with them, lest they end up in Hades as well. But the man is told that his family members have been given Moses and the prophets, in other words, the scriptures, and they should listen to them. The next section of scripture I'd point you to is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, which talks about how Jesus led captives in his train. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, we read this. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives in his train, and he gave gifts to men. In saying that he ascended, what does it mean but that he has also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. Furthermore, the Apostles' Creed, which which is one of the oldest Christian creeds in existence, it includes this phrase, He, that's Jesus, suffered under Pontius Pilate, he was crucified, died, and was buried, and he descended into hell. Now, I I have an article on my website that discusses that, that that phrase, hell, should rather be coined, he descended into the depths. And in fact, if you look at the Greek text, which is the the language the Apostles' Creed was originally written in, it should not be translated as hell. It should be rather translated, he descended into depth, into the depths. In other words, he descended into Sheol, and the third day he rose again from the dead is how that line in the Apostles' Creed concludes. So going back to Jesus' apostles who spoke with him after his resurrection, there seems to have been an understanding that Jesus descended into Sheol and did two things. Number one, he released the captives from Abraham's bosom and led them to the immediate or express presence of God, which we can call heaven. Uh, We read about that in Ephesians chapter four, verse eight. And the other thing Jesus did during that time is that he preached to the spirits who were in prison. We're told that in 1 Peter 3, verses 19 through 20. Now, the latter of these, the preaching to the spirits in prison, was not to be understood as evangelism. But it was a pronouncement of what Jesus had accomplished. And for those spirits in particular, we're told in the qualifying text in 1 Peter 3.20, we're told who they were. Therefore, we know that this was not an offer of salvation, but a pronouncement of judgment. So the, the next point, verse I would point you to is the phrase that Jesus says on the cross to the the thief on the cross next to him. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. So if we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for example, if we look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, these are two passages which tell us that if a believer dies today, they are taken to the direct presence of God, the express presence also known as paradise. Then the next thing I'd point out again is Revelation, which I mentioned earlier, Revelation 20, 11 through 15, which says that Hades will be cast ultimately into the lake of fire. So Revelation 20 verses 11 through 15 describes how after the judgment of the living and the dead at the end of all things, 
Hades will be cast into the lake of fire. Here's how the verse reads. It says, The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So it's in this sense that we say that Hades which is intact still, is a waiting place, and this is the ultimate place where even Hades will be cast into this lake of fire. Now that brings us to the final thing that I'd like to talk about, which is a new heavens and a new earth. So heaven, as it is experienced now, is different than what will be after the final judgment, where where Revelation 21 tells us that there will be a new heavens and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth will have passed away and will be no more. That's Revelation 21 verse 1. Jesus said in Matthew 24 verse 35 that heaven and earth will pass away but his words never will. The point there, though, that this heaven and this earth will pass away, and there will be a new heavens and a new earth. Second Peter 3 verse 7 says this, But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. 2 Peter 3 verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Therefore, we can say that after the final judgment, there will be a new heavens and a new earth, which will not be only the restoration of Eden, but the fulfillment of what Eden would have been had sin not entered into it. In the new Jerusalem, once again, we see humankind together with God, with no sin and no shame, nor any of the destructive effects of sin, like sickness or pain, and we see that the tree of life is present there. So whereas Eden was a garden, the new Jerusalem will be a garden city. The new Jerusalem is not only the restoration of Eden, it's the fulfillment of all that Eden would have been or could have become apart from sin and its destructive effects. Listen, if you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on this podcast or on the blog, you can go and visit my, my website and there's a form there that you can fill out. And I have kind of a backlog of questions that I'm answering over time. The website for that is nickkady.org. That's N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y dot O-R-G. Or you can Google Theology for the People and that website will come up and um, you can subscribe on there. I'd love it if you do that. I'd also love it if you are being blessed by this podcast, if you would go onto your favorite podcast platform or podcast app, give this a a five-star review and write a written review, especially on Apple Uh, podcasts that really helps if you give a written review it helps kind of boost us up in the numbers and it helps other people find this content so thanks for listening today and god bless you